You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey. Here with my co-host today, Dalton Miller. Cole Patterson cannot be with us, but we are joined by a very special guest, Kevin Turner from The Draft Show, from The Athletic. From He does a bunch of different things, but he is with us on the podcast today to talk about the Dallas Cowboys football team, maybe a few draft prospects. Uh, but more importantly, we are going to focus on the Cowboys coaching staff uh, we're going to kind of give a big picture review on the Cowboys coaching staff, talk about some of the future uh, with this Cowboys coaching staff, and really just put a stamp on how we think this has gone in Mike McCarthy's first year. Uh, but before we get going, Dalton, KT, how are you guys doing tonight? Well, I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's, um, it's just kind of been a crazy year to, to like follow and talk about this team, but I'm glad you guys are having me on because... Uh, and I feel like uh, I feel like I've kind of been pigeonholed as this guy who like hates Mike McCarthy. And I, I just want everyone to know that there's like there's a big difference between hating someone and just knowing them very well. Um, and I think uh, I think that's like important to get across uh, because I've, I spent pretty much all all winter and spring of 2020 like having to backtrack a little bit and be like, guys, I know it's not that I hate him. I just thought they should have interviewed more people and not, you know, hired the guy who the Jets and the Browns didn't want. You know, that's that's all. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of people, like, get excited because Garrett's gone. I think that created – like, dude, Mike McCarthy came into, like, one of the greatest posi- like positions right. of all time. Like, not only are you getting this pretty good, talented team right here with a good quarterback and all that stuff, but you're following up Jason Garrett. So, like, you know, who the fans wanted out of town. I think about all the people who had to, like, follow up people. Like, Drew Carey had to follow up Bob Barker, right? Dude, tough job. Tough job. People are going to kill you until, like, you've been there for a long time. I think about the guy who had to follow up Harry Carey. Like, okay, wow, that's going to be tough. Or the guy who's going to have to follow up Ben Scully. You're always going to be, like, like uh, you know, having these big shoes to fill. Like, McCarthy came in with, like, the smallest shoes to fill. So, like... And then, uh, so I can understand Cowboys fans' excitement, but don't be mad at me because I just want to be honest about things I know about him. Uh, um, so, yeah, that's where I stand on that. Sorry. How are you, Dalton? So, wait, you're telling me that if you had a sleepover with Mike McCarthy, you wouldn't want to hire him? Is that what you're saying uh, right now? Yeah, basically. <laughs> Man, I. I'm glad you said that because I forgot that it was actually an actual sleepover situation. 
Yeah, they just got yeah. drunk and then hired him. It was just buddy, buddy. They drank together, made me watch five minutes of film. You know, ate some burgers, definitely pounded some beers because you might Mike Absolutely. McCarthy. Yeah, just looking at him um, and listening to him <laughs> in the mornings at 630. It sounds like he's just and, gotten off of some beers. And I'm sure he's a fun guy to hang out with. Like, I, I, I you know. Yeah, he's honestly, like, he's half interesting to listen to when he's interviewed, which I, is something that – I didn't really expect. I mean, I've I've heard him in press conferences and stuff like that. Hearing him on the radio is is it's. I mean, it's definitely a million times better than listening to Jason Garrett do anything <laughs> in in a speaking manner. But uh, you know, I'm I'm doing great. Back to your original question, <laughs> um, I'm doing good. I'm almost done with this college bullcrap. Um, I'm I'm getting ready for the draft season. I, I'm loving Team Tank right now. This team is horrific. It's fantastic because they're not even trying to be bad. Um, and uh, I, I'm not enjoying the NFL season though. Like, it, doesn't it just feel different? Like everything just feels different, obviously. But football for me this year, I, I felt more disconnected to it than I have in the past. Have you guys felt that way? You know, I mean, I know we're getting off topic here, but. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have for sure. This is first year where, you know, I've decided to maybe do some other things on Sunday. Even, you know, I've watched every Cowboy game, but most of the time Sunday rolls around and I'm canceling all my plans to sit around and watch football all day, and that hasn't been the case this year. And A lot of it's been because the quarterback play has been horrific, so I really don't want to watch, you know, terrible teams with terrible quarterbacks play every every week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a, a strange year. I one of the reasons, KT, I even uh, I shot you a message to come on is because about a year ago today, you and Bobby Belt came on the podcast and we were trying to fix this team, which had a much better shot of going to the playoffs. But we uh, we had a big group on to try to figure out some of the ways this team could improve in order to make the playoffs. Um, we don't think that they are going to make it this year, even though they still have a decent, decent shot at doing so. Um, but I did. It, it is about a year anniversary of when you came on the show last year so happy anniversary kt wow dude time flies that that's crazy uh because i'm sitting in the same chair i was sitting in last time um the you pizza know guy got killed that night or something yes you know what? that was that was the <laughs> night of the pizza murder you're right <laughs> holy cow uh, that's been that's been a long time yeah relatively crime free over here uh i think i was trying um, to hear that um, you know, you know what? It's interesting because, like, look, uh, a couple disclaimers. I should always do this, right? Mm-hmm. I think disclaimer number one is before we dive too far into McCarthy. Like, I want to just get disclaimer one out of the way. I understand there's been injuries, okay, and I understand that a pandemic happened, okay. Disclaimer, good, okay. okay. Other disclaimers. Look, I'm a Packer fan, right? Yeah. So uh, it's interesting though. Dalton, I talked about being a, you guys, both of you guys being uh, talking about being maybe a little. Maybe not as fully engaged, but I look when your team's three and eight, it's real easy to not be as fully engaged. Um, my team's eight and three, like, and like, and I gamble a lot, and my fantasy football team's pretty good. So yeah. like, you know, my engagement's very high. My Sundays re- uh, involve me sitting in this chair and not moving for about twelve hours. See, for I'm me, still pretty locked in. <laughs> for me, it's less about the the Cowboys in general, more about mostly college football because I, I just uh, there's some about everything that's that's happened with the pandemic that I just can't I can't get into college football this year and I think part of it is because I know that I'm going to watch every game like six times and that can get 
a, a yeah. little bit annoying. And I, and I have to, I always feel like I have to not cheer like during these games because I have to try to stay objective about all these dudes that I'm watching in college. So I, I, no, I, you don't. I tend to not, I tend to not find a bunch of enjoyment. Yeah, out I've, of it. I've but, definitely, I've definitely checked out of college football. This yeah. has been like the worst year for college football. And again, like, I've always been more interested in NFL during the football season than college football because what you just said, I always go back at the end of the year and watch these guys play six times in the same game. So I feel like I can miss some of that without feeling like I'm missing too much. But, uh, yeah, definitely been a bad college football year. And the NFL season's been been bad, like KT said, when you're you're three and eight, the team yeah. you cover, the team you cheer for is three and eight. You've got Ben DiNucci out there slinging it. You know, Garrett Gilbert, Andy Dalton. Just uh, it's just been a rough year as a Cowboys fan and someone who tries to cover the team. <laughs> Absolutely, man, and and like you know, college like for me, it's always been more casual because you know, like Dalton said, you know you're going to be diving in on yeah, uh, you know, Penn State, Michigan, you know, and you're going to be watching it multiple times or whatever. But it's always been casual for me, partially because I you know I went to UNT, so I support a conference USA team, um, and I watch them when I can. Uh, and I've, you know, I've kind of become like a Texas Tech fan, even though I hate their uh, their offense and, and, and their coach. But, like, my girlfriend's, you know, went to Tech. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay. And I got some really friends that went to, good, good friends that went to Tech. So it's like, okay, it's kind of fun to actually have an actual team to pull for, even though they're not very good. Still like a, a Power 5 team to pull for. But it's been super casual because, quite frankly, when you look at the matchups on in, any given Saturday, you're not getting that many good games. I yeah. mean uh, – Clemson Notre Dame the other night, um, you know that was a that was like a special a special game, <laughs> you know because you just not you're just not getting that many. Right. Um, so like uh, you know, and, uh, again, college has always been more casual for me. NFL, I'm super locked in. Red Zone Channel, Cowboys, and I, I'm a Packer fan, so it's like it's very. I hate when the Cowboys and Packers play at the same time. Uh, that that annoys me. Uh, because it's like I gotta be paying attention to this cowboy game, uh, but I can't record them, and I gotta watch them live. So that's always really annoying. But I'm locked in. I'm ready for this Sunday already. Well, we have Wednesday night football, and then we have a uh, wait. We have Wednesday day football. Wednesday yes. day we football. Tuesday night football. Never Unreal. stops. It's Never a mess. Stops. It's a mess, but but we are we are gonna talk a little bit about Mike McCarthy and his first year coaching staff. They're First year has been, uh, I don't even know what to say. The I mean, they're a three and eight football team. They're a three and eight football team. Like KT said, the disclaimers, you know, you got to count the injuries, you got to count COVID. But um, I think the important thing to look at is this team has been so bad at staying competitive. They have the second worst point differential in the league. Uh, they have been blown out in five of their eight losses to where it's been multiple possession losses. Um, and I think the biggest thing for for me, at least when I'm looking at it, is when Dak Prescott was healthy and playing at a high level, even though the turnovers were an issue, not just for him, but for Ezekiel Elliott, um, this team still wasn't good. Uh, and mainly because of the special teams, mainly because of the defense, but it wasn't a playing like a well-coached, uh, well, well, I, I say well-coached, I think Kellen Moore's had a really good year. Um dealing with all the circumstances he had to deal with. But I feel like going into this year, knowing what they had on defense, knowing what they had on offense, knowing what they had on special teams, I think everybody can say that we expected more from this team and this coaching staff in those first four or five weeks while Dak Prescott was healthy. 
um, and that offense was clicking at a high level. And, and that's kind of where I want to start uh, with you guys is just what can we blame that first month, month and a half of the season on COVID because the lack of training camp, the lack of just reps or I mean, again, it hasn't really gotten better either. So that's why I have a hard time blaming it on that. But KT, I did, I did want to start with you. What do you think is the biggest issue? Because I know we've talked some in direct messages on Twitter and stuff like that. We thought that Mike McCarthy could come in and, you know, provide an upgrade from Jason Garrett, but it felt like the start of the year, we didn't really see any of that. Did you see any of that? And if you didn't, what do you think he needs to do to to start that upgrade? And do you think that there is a, there's a chance that that's even, you know, a realistic expectation? Yeah, no, I, and I think COVID really comes to play, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because you're running a relatively new scheme. Uh, some of the things you're doing are the same, but like new messaging and all that shit stuff. Sorry. Uh, that stuff matters. Like, that's important at training camp. And whatever you're going to say about Jason Garrett, Jason Garrett usually had a pretty healthy and relatively um, you know, ready-to-go team out of, out of camp every year. Um, I, I always thought that that was one thing that was always something that you could kind of see consistently throughout the years. Not saying that he didn't have a bad start or two in his tenure, but like pretty much had a team ready to go. This team had questions about a couple guys being in shape, um, you had questions about guys buying in on the defensive scheme, and that matters. Like, that absolutely matters. If guys are not playing team football defensively, and you have guys not doing their assignments, not doing the right thing, not reading their keys, you're asking for, for what happened. You're asking for one of the worst defenses. You top that off with not a lot of good, uh, great defensive playmakers and a terrible secondary. You know, what happened there is, is really unfortunate that the Cowboys couldn't have gotten a couple. I mean, if you're tanking, I guess you're happy with the way it went now. But, you know, if you look at some of the turnovers, if the Cowboys could have ever found a way to play ahead in some of those games, they win them, even with the defense, even with a bad defense like that. They win some of those games, but they were put in such a bad situation because of turnovers, and they were never able to really – they got behind so much, and that just affected game flow so much, in my opinion. I think – I think that more than anything is just a combination of the two. And then you can add some things, though. You would, with a new coach, you do want to see some basic things. You, you don't want to see chaos. You don't want to see, you know, 12 minute uh, you know, on the field penalties and things like that, but you are seeing. Uh, I have problems with McCarthy's game management, have for years. You know, you don't want to see some inconsistencies when it comes to how he's going to utilize analytics and when to spend time out and things like that. So for me, it's kind of a combination of all those things and I can make COVID an excuse, but like it was the perfect storm for a crappy start in a crappy season when it was very clear early on, he had multiple individuals on that defense who were not buying into the, to the system. Yeah, no, definitely agree. And Dalton, I wanted to get your take on kind of the, the slow start to the season from the team and coaching staff pr- perspective um, and then we'll, I wanted to get KT to maybe talk about some of, has this been a common theme for Mike McCarthy and Green Bay, maybe slow starts to the season, maybe slow starts with new coordinators and position coaches coming in. Um, but before we get to him on that, Dalton, what was your kind of takeaway from the, the slow start to the season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that COVID definitely had a, a big impact on that. I think not being able to get time on task in practice when it comes to 
figuring out, you know, the timing and spacing of key reads and, and being able to, especially in coverage, be at the right place at the right time and understand if this guy does this, this is what I have to do or where I have to go and how I have to do it. I think the guys really struggle with that early. And I think that when you're a, a coaching staff, you have to sit down and think like, because we heard it in years prior, like we wanted to do more complex things, offensively, defensively, it didn't really matter, but we didn't think we had the guys to do that. And so when we sit down and we hear, you know, guys like Jalen Smith talk about, you know, the complexity of this defense um, and, and not being able to really get it, or it's, if it's too complex, when we see college and, and high school teams running a, a quarter space defense with the same kind of key reads that these NFL players have at their job. So I, I think, you know, not buying into things is, is definitely an issue. And I think the other thing is not realizing immediately in week one and week two, like, hey, this defense is not going to cut it. We need to dumb it down, not over time, but immediately. And I think that it took them until well after Dak Prescott was already injured and out and this team was tanking when they did dumb things down defensively in coverage and go to a more one or two high uh, regular man or regular soft zone looks instead of this match stuff that they were trying to run early. Yeah, no, d definitely, and agree with everything both you guys were saying there. KT, I did want to um, ask you, since you, you are familiar with McCarthy, you've, you've been a Packers fan, you've seen the, the years in, the years out. Has this been an issue with him as he brought in new position coaches, new coordinators, slow starts to the season? Has this been something that he's struggled with throughout his tenure as an NFL head coach with the Green Bay Packers? No, I didn't have many slow starts or anything like that. I mean, really didn't have many bad years. You had the year that he got fired. You had a uh, you know bad year early on that was in that Rodgers far transition period. But he had a lot of really good seasons, and he'll be the first to tell you that. Like he, he look things I'll tell you about McCarthy that are good is I do believe that he can put together a good consistent football program, and that's kind of what you want, right? You want your team to yeah. be in the mix all the time. Can we be the Ravens? Can we be the Packers? Can we be the the uh, you know the Patriots or whatever? You know, like that's Steelers. all. That's a great thing. One of my biggest issues, yeah, Steelers. One of my biggest issues with Garrett is not being able to consistently have a winning program. So you know, injuries could throw off all that you know here and there. McCarthy did that, a consistent winning program. I just know how much was covered up by the talent and quarterback play, quite frankly. And I think we all agree that if Dak didn't get hurt, this is a playoff team. Are we are we all in agreement there? If Dak didn't get hurt, they've they've won five games by now, right? That's I'd, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Say, so I, say so. I, I would say most likely just because the defense became at least somewhat serviceable and I think that that's kinda all you needed. Yeah. I think they win yeah. the, the Philly game, the the Washington game and maybe have a chance at one of those other, you know, the, the Kyler Murray didn't play great in that Cardinals game, maybe a few better offensive drives there. You, you come out on. Yeah. So I can see him having five or six ones with a healthy Dak Prescott. Yeah. You know, the position coaches came and went in his time. The thing that was, uh, that kind of makes me nervous when I look at, you know, McCarthy and how they're going to handle this defense. Uh, I'm not like some anti Mike Nolan guy. I just, you know, I'm looking around and I go, okay, I probably do something better than that. But it's not Mike Nolan's fault that Jalen's not very good anymore. You know, it's not Mike Nolan's fault that 
Don Terry Poe and, and Jalen and whoever else, you know, didn't want to buy in if they didn't want to buy in. I don't want to call them out without knowing. God knows we don't get media access or get to talk to these players or to have an idea of what they're feeling. But they let Dom Capers stay around for right. years in Green Bay. Now, Ted Thompson, an actual football GM, made decisions. Um, Mike McCarthy had some say in personnel. But, you know, McCarthy let Dom Capers stay. McCarthy could have put his foot down in 2015 and said, look, I'm tired of losing playoff games and giving up 40 points. You know, but uh, quite frankly, that happens. I'm sitting there going, okay, well, Mike Nolan's the guy McCarthy coached under. I wonder how long he lets Mike Nolan stay. I don't know. And I, I truly don't know if Mike Nolan is a problem. I, I don't. I, I I think it's possible, <laughs> but how how do you make you know these grown men buy in or not? In a year when he didn't have training camp with them, I, well, I truly don't know how to feel about that. And especially ones that we didn't think were going to be all that good coming into the year. You know, that's the that's the bad part. Like, yeah, you can't do like, but you know, so much with the you know C D troop crew, anyways. <laughs> Yeah, you were just asking for more turno- turnovers. That was the that right. was almost the blind faith in this thing. It was like, if they just get us a few turnovers. Yeah. And, 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 and honestly, it's not terribly flawed. You know where your resources are. You know where your money's been spent for the most part um, on offense. And the offense was fine. And the offense was going to be fine. And Dak was going to throw for 6,000 yards. And, and, you know, they were doing some of the right things. But, you know, I, I have such an issue – short-term with how Zeke really derailed your season. And, um, you know, Dak had some bad fumbles and things like that, but Dak, far from the problem of this team, uh, if anything, he's the solution. He's the savior. Um, But, you know, Zeke directly cost you some games. I truly believe that, and that's a problem. But where I go to McCarthy is a couple things. You know, McCarthy is a guy who wants credit. Um. There, there's a reason, like, and I, I know people, like, I've known players who played in Green Bay, um, not well, you know, but I know, I know some guys, and, dude, there's no, like, there's no, guys don't hate Aaron Rodgers. These guys don't like Aaron Rodgers, right? Especially these offensive guys, they like Aaron Rodgers. So, I think this like, whole, like, McCarthy-Aaron Rodgers feud was just such a blown-up thing. I think part of it, things get a little passive-aggressive with Aaron from time to time, <laughs> but... I always felt like McCarthy wanted credit. And it's like, dude, you won a Super Bowl. You've got credit. You've got a street named after you in, in Green Bay. You can't drive the Lambeau Field without seeing Mike McCarthy Road. Like, it's, dude, you've gotten credit. Why are you acting like you'd never get credit? And that's always been, a, been an issue for me. But I just, I didn't think at the time of the hiring, and I feel the same way now, A, I didn't buy the NFL Network Puff piece of hanging out with Jim Hazlitt in a barn, and I watched every game. And then he told you at the press conference that he didn't. He told you. He straight up said it. Like, I didn't do that. I just wanted the job. He said that. B, I I truly don't think he is a good game manager, a game and time manager. And I thought I, I wanted to give him leeway and room for improvement since he's not calling plays. But in Green Bay, I mean, you'd be arguing with the ref, and you're sitting there going, dude, I need you to call a play. And then you get a delay game penalty or something. You know, he's like too into it. And I thought he was – I thought late game, there was a lot of decisions that, that just weren't, to me, analytically based. So he wants to improve that. I, I know Ben Baldwin had a pretty good tweet today about fourth quarter, you know, aggressiveness for Mike McCarthy. Look, Mike McCarthy's always been 
he's always been aggressive. Like he's he's always been that way. Um, my issues have been how consistent he is. Um, how aggressive was he uh, in the 2014 NFC Championship game against Seattle? Well, it's fourth and goal at the one, and they're kicking field goals. Right. Like there's 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 some pro- times, and it's, it's the same thing with the fake punt last week. And you know, well, okay, so we fake punted, we went for it. Terrible call, right? Okay, doesn't work out, but it's also terrible before the call was even made. If you're checking off the things, a field position time, you guys know what I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you get the ball again, and you're down 27-16. It's 4th-11 on the 34. You have uh-huh. better field position. You're down by two scores now, and there's less time on the clock, and you yep. punt? Yep. Like, are we going all in, or are we not? Right. And on Breaking Bad, they call it half measures. They said they're told Walt and Jesse, if you're going to break bad, you got to break bad. Mike would go, no more half measures. Well, <laughs> well, that's what we need. No more half measures. Either we're doing this or we're not. And it's just so down the middle. And I don't truly think this is some analytically based thing where he's got the numbers coming to him from a guy, you know, who's bringing it to. I truly don't think he knows the book on that. I think he says he does. I think he says he worked on that stuff. And just because you're aggressive more than you're not. Well, dude, you're probably going to convert. The conversion rates on fourth and one are great. Usually you're going to convert. Like, I just, you're going to get some inconsistencies and stubborn hard-headedness with him, and it drives me insane because they had a chance to upgrade, and I'm not 100% sure they did. Yeah. Yeah, you, you were talking about him enjoying the credit. How do you think that's going to go over with one owner, uh, general manager, Jerry Jones? Because as we all know, Jerry Jones pretty uh, pretty much enjoys his credit as well. Uh, so do you think that that's a marriage that can actually last? or You know, what my, what my uh, prediction was in the beginning of this, my prediction was, that this would get sour after three years. That relationship. Um, and like, who knows how many games you end up winning in the next two years or whatever. You know, it's five year deal. The Cowboys standard do the standard five year thing. That's that's you know typical of them. But I kind of thought this thing sours in probably three years. You know, we're talking about McCarthy's a guy who handled all the media pretty much in Green Bay. You know, the GM never talks. Like he's going to have to adjust. But, you know, the, the biggest misnomer I think about McCarthy, uh, man, I don't know if it's a misnomer, but, like, there are a lot of people who will go out and say, like, they're just hardworking Pittsburgh guy. And I'm not saying he's not hardworking, but, like, Pittsburgh mindset, you know, coal miner family guy, just, you know, not going to take the nonsense. Dude, he loves working at the star every day. He loves the glitz and glamour of coaching the Dallas Cowboys. People forget the New York Jets chose Adam Gase over him in 2019. We don't Browns have to. We don't have to bring that up, KT. That's just that's unfortunate. I I don't want to hear anybody was taken or Adam Gase was taken in front of anybody as a head coach or coach, position coach, coordinator. Uh, was there ever word about why? that didn't work out or did we hear any rumors? Because I can't imagine from just looking at Adam Gase's face that he could ever be a better candidate as a coach. I mean, look, they wanted, they wanted, uh, you know, Matt rule, right. And then Matt rule was like, 
well, look, I'm just going to go back to Baylor if you're not going to let me bring my coaching staff. Yeah. No, to the Jets' credit, they fired that GM, right? Like, they don't, they still don't mess around with him anymore. Mm-hmm. But, like, once, once Rule found out he couldn't bring his coaching staff, that was off the table. And they wanted Kingsbury, but they were too late on Kingsbury. And then they interviewed McCarthy and decided no. Which, you know, it tells you something. I think it does, you know. I, think it well, I guess he hadn't, he hadn't been in the barn yet, though, right? Hadn't been in the barn. Um, <laughs> still, we're still but, working you know, off the free PFF prescrip- uh, subscription. No, yeah, 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 no, exactly. And like Jim Haslett didn't have a coaching job either, guys. Like I'm mm-hmm. just like, like this, this guy. But the other thing is too, like the Browns uh, wanted to. Uh, the Browns, uh, I'm sorry, McCarthy could have interviewed with the Browns or was trying to. And then you know, there's a John Dorsey thing there when jo- Dorsey was in Green Bay. But the Browns, like, refused to interview him. Right. So, like, you have these things that go, okay, so the Browns and the Jets didn't want you, but the biggest franchise in the world hired you without interviewing anyone else besides the Rooney Rule thing with Marvin Lewis? Yeah. It's shocking to me. Like, I don't truly feel like the due diligence was done. And that's... Uh, and, and, and And if it was, I apologize to Stephen and Jerry. I tell them to the face, I'm sorry. But it doesn't feel like the due diligence was done. It felt like, oh, well, he won a Super Bowl. Well, here's the truth about the year he won a Super Bowl. The Packers barely made the playoffs. They were the sixth seed in the uh, NFC. They were a wild card team that year. Mm-hmm. They barely missed the playoffs. The reason they made the playoffs is because Deshaun Jackson in Week 15 returned a punt uh, against the Giants, and the Eagles beat the Giants and gave the Giants a loss, and then the Packers beat the Giants in Week 16. A game-winning punt return. From Deshaun Jackson in Week 15 is the reason the Super Bowl champions were even there that year. I'm, I'm, dude, you guys know how good Aaron Rodgers was. Oh, yeah. It is a waste of his time. You know, so many opportunities just blown, and and I, 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 I just, I just think that he is somewhat responsible for that, especially the last few years when he let the offense get stale, and he did. That was his scheme. Mm-hmm. He was calling plays. Yeah, I think you you touched on it a lot, KT, a few minutes ago when you were, you were talking a lot about the uh, just the inconsistencies of the aggression. And I think that's my biggest frustration with McCarthy and the coaching staff in general is because, you know, they're, they're one week they're kicking, you know, three 45 plus yard field goals on fourth and three and shorter. And then the next week they're, you know, fake punting from fourth and 11 and just doing it's just not there's no rhyme or rhythm to like the the consistency that they want to be aggressive and then the consistency when they don't. And I think that, like you said, you either got to be all in or all out. There can't be a, oh, well, we're going to be super passive on our play calling and then be aggressive on fourth down because that's just not. I feel like you either got to just go in and be a aggressive offense and then be aggressive with your fourth down decision-making. You just can't have one foot in and one foot out because that's how you end up, like you said last week, where you're fourth and 10, faking a punt, where you're getting a receiver to fake the ball to the punter, and it's just a mess. And then the next series, you have a more favorable situation to be aggressive, to go for it, and you punt. And it, there's just no, you know, you can't, you can't let that failed attempt make you go back into your turtle shell like that's just not the way that the analytics or the metrics say hey we're going to be an aggressive you know team and we're going to believe in what these analytics tell us and i also want to say like it's okay like on that fake punt specifically in the washington game 
it's okay to let's like let's assume let's say let's say they convert it and they get the first down. It's okay to go, God, they got that first down. Wow, man! I, I, if you're a Cowboy fan and you want them to win, you're not, not uh, well, you know, we'll do the tank thing later, right? You know, you want them to win. Uh, and let's say it's about a game moving forward. You want them to win the game and they convert in that position, fourth and ten at the twenty-four with twelve minutes left, and your defense is hanging on and they're fighting their ass off for you. And Alex Smith hasn't completed a pass over twenty yards. Like he's not throwing the ball down the field. It's okay to go, damn, we got it there, but man, I don't think we should have gone for it. Like right. it's okay to be reasonable. And I think that's like everyone's going, okay, well, what the hell is this chaos? Like there's there's just there's more to it than it worked or it didn't work, and has really doesn't have anything to do with that. What happens if we're in a playoff game and we're in a situation that's similar to this? I'm seeing that you are incapable of making consistent good decisions for my football team. Yeah. I mean, and I know I know the analytics will tell you some things. I, I I truly, truly disagree with how things played out in the Atlanta game in which they won the watermelon kick game. <laughs> I mean, I know analytics it, it would tell you in some circles there. I just think right there now you're banking on you're banking on an onside kick. Like, dude, I cannot ever bank on an onside kick. I can't anymore. The onside kick statistics tell me that is something that's a no-fly zone. And I realize the analytics are playing for a win, but I would rather be down by eight than nine because nine tells me I have to get an onside kick. And eight tells me I can get a stop and get the ball back. I can't throw that in there. And it ended up getting lucky in that working out, like insanely lucky in that working out. And then we can have disagreements on analytics and all that stuff for days, but like, Okay, so there's that, but then the 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 decision making from week one was different. And dude, I'm not nitpick at every decision the coach makes. Guy, I'm not. I swear I'm not that guy. I thought Garrett took a lot of unfair criticism over the years. I truly, I truly believe that, uh, and I believe a lot of it was deserved as well. And usually that's how it plays out. Usually head coaches do make bad decisions, and you end up going okay. But more often than not. You're making consistent foundational beliefs. What are the foundational co- core beliefs of this program that he's got? What is it? I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. I know what Kellen believes. I think I know what Kellen believes. I think I know how he feels about things. I don't know what Mike believes. I don't know. I think he. I think he's just kind of flying by the seat of his pants sometimes. And I saw that in Green Bay. And that's where I, I'm nervous about the long term here. That's that's just kind of. Just the whole thing that makes me nervous long-term. Is he going to be able to go make good decisions in a playoff game that helps you get wins? I don't think so. And you guys know this. You can have a super talented roster. That's great. I need things that can help me uh, win as well if you're going to make a deep run. And this is where Garrett kind of failed. Can my coach help me in the fourth quarter? Can my coach help me at halftime make an adjustment? Can my preparation during the week take me over the top? That stuff matters in the NFL more than it ever has. And I'm just not sure that McCarthy week in and week out brings you an edge there. I mean, he's not Anthony Lynn or anything, you know, <laughs> but like, he, I'm not sure that he brings you that edge each week. And I just gave you $5 million and what, $8 million a year? I mean, five years and $8 million a year or whatever he's making to coach America's franchise. 
I need a little more than that, man. That's just yeah. I just thought they could have been nitpicky. And I know we can play the who would you rather have game all day. I know we can do that too. But like I just I just don't I just don't and I've never thought it was a good decision. So since we are, you know, kind of stuck with the man, um <laughs> I wanna get into yeah. a little bit about how what kind of input him and more specifically his coaching staff had when it came to uh, how this team was going to draft and acquire players in free agency going forward. Because we saw, obviously, this offseason, he didn't really have any sort of impact whatsoever. And we saw what this team could do drafting when they didn't have any handcuffs on the coaching staff. Um, I mean, we can always talk about the taco situation, you know, until our faces turn blue and whose fault that was. But do you think that this... First of all, this front office from a drafting standpoint can continue this run of evaluating guys correctly and taking, you know, best player available at a position of need. Um, and do you think that Mike McCarthy is going to push to have more say uh, than he did this prior year? Yeah, you know, and that that becomes a little unclear of like how much say that I think he had during the draft. Like, I, I truly don't know. Um, and Green Bay, you know, Ted Thompson scouted, did everything, made the pick. McCarthy would have to say, though, but very little. Um, Ted Thompson was not letting coaches like, you know, Marinelli go make picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. They never went with a skill position player in all those years. You know, since, since Aaron Rodgers was drafted, the next first-round skill position player the Packers took was Jordan Love in 2020. Mm-hmm. But they've had some, some solid players that they've drafted in the second round, like, a, a, you know, Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Something like that, um, where I think it gets a little a little different. I think McCarthy obviously is an offensive minded guy, well known offensive minded guy, um, big on offensive attack or, or offensive line depth. Um, but he doesn't like to mix and move guys around, which we've seen here, right? Yeah, it's like next man up, right. you know, ones, twos, and threes. Now I don't want to move Zach Martin to right tackle. That'd be fantasy football nonsense, right? <laughs> but like, so it's not. That's where. <laughs> But, like, you know, I, I think when Green Bay, it's just such a unique organization. They, they're not spending in free agency until a couple of years ago, really. They're not spending in free agency. They draft their own, and then the difference is they don't usually keep their own. And the Cowboys keep their own. Yeah. The Cowboys will go give Jalen Smith and Zeke a contract. The Packers are not going to bring back Blake Martinez just because he's been a good guy for four years. You know, it's like. Uh, you can go sign a big deal with the Giants, you know, like that type of thing. So that's the big difference, I think, in the organizations. But how much Mike, you know, has, I, I truly don't know that, you know. There's not enough of a track record in Green Bay to me of, like, knowing that Mike was involved. The reputation was always that Ted Thompson handled that. Mike McCarthy, though, you're the face of the thing. I mean, obviously there's Aaron Rodgers, but you're the face of the thing. You're the guy who talks to the media. You're the guy who does the radio interviews. You do all that. You be the face of the thing. And it's a little different here, as you guys know. <laughs> yeah, I was always kind of curious, you know, because we, we talked a lot about, you know, obviously on this show and then just in the media in general, you know, like a lot of people gave credit to Mike McCarthy for this year's draft class. And, you know, a lot of people gave credit to Mike McCarthy for bringing in Everson Griffin because of the familiarity with him, you know, from Green Bay to Minnesota and Obviously, the Everson Griffin thing did not work out. Um, but when you know Dalton asked kind of how much impact do you think he has on that, um, and I, you know, while I, I think that question is valid, 
I want to kind of go back to what Dalton was talking about earlier about the credit standpoint with Jerry and McCarthy. Do you think from a talent acquisition standpoint, is that something that, because we've always heard that McCarthy didn't have any control in Green Bay over, you know, who was brought in. He, he wasn't given that power. Does Jerry like McCarthy enough to give him that like he did with Jason and some of his coaching staff? Or do you think it's more so of a, we're going to let our, you know, Mike wants the scouting department to handle that. He's not going to want to get involved in that. Yeah, I, I think you'll see less. Uh, I think you'll see more McCarthy involved than, you know, what we saw over the years with Linehan or Rod Marinelli or even, you know, Tony Pollard, for instance. I remember going into to day three of that draft and God, is kind of going, yeah, you know, I'm hearing Kellen Moore's going to get his guy, you know. Right. kind of going, okay. You know, like that's a Kellen Moore pick right there. So, like, I think you'll see less of that. I don't but think – and You'll I, I see less of – more... Like Mike won't do that is what you're saying? Yeah, no, no. I think I think Mike will have his say, and I think Jerry will listen to Mike. But I don't think Mike Nolan's going to have the lead gotcha. that Rod Marinelli gotcha. had, gotcha. Uh, or you know, Joe Philbin's not going to be able to go. Hey, I get my swing tackle here in round three. You know, right. and I just don't see that happening. Um, and, you know, granted, none of those guys have a reputation that maybe you know Rod Marinelli had over over those years. That's kind of how I I, I see it working out. Um, you know, I always wonder though, what is Jerry thinking? I, I I I truly don't know. Like, I think Jerry does a good job of just kind of answering his questions in his Jerry way. Uh, and while you think you might have an idea of what Jerry's truly thinking, you also know you might be getting played if you just agree with what he says. Right. I, I I truly don't know if like him and Stephen are going. God dang, do we get the right guy here? Because here's one thing you say. And granted, the Washington, the last Washington game was competitive for three quarters, but I've got two games and then a quarter of evidence of a team not trying hard. Right, and that bothers me. And I'm always, I'm, I'm always uh, uh, reluctant to talk about players' effort, but I think we all know what we saw against the Cardinals on that Monday night game. I think we all know what we saw against the Washington football team the first time they played. Yeah. I think we all know what we saw in the fourth quarter the other day, and maybe that went a little understandably so. You know, a deflated team, personal reasons, plus, you know, an even more deflated team because of the fake punt. You know, like, you have all that happening. You know, maybe I can uh, give you a little bit of an excuse there. I don't really an excuse for not showing up on Monday Night Football against Arizona. There's not an excuse for not showing up, you know, against that Washington football team. I mean, when they came out and tried against the Eagles – you shouldn't go, well, they tried, but they also started a guy who shouldn't be playing quarterback. But at least they tried against a division opponent that early in the year. And that's that was the takeaway from that game. Well, the defense fought hard. Well, they fought hard, huh? Like, that's, that's good. Now, you know, that's, those are questions you never had in the Garrett era. So I, I often wonder if Jerry and Steven are kind of going, you kidding me? We, we signed Andy Dalton. You know, but it's unfortunate that losing Tyron would affect the team so much. You know, yeah. it, it's just little things like that. It's just, maybe it didn't – you know it would be bad if Tyron was gone, but I didn't know it would be this bad, you know? Little things like that are super irritating. So Yeah, I think the fan base really wants, you know, Kyle Shanahan to come, you know, 
how he's doing with San Francisco with backup quarterbacks, backup, you know, the whole defense out. And and I can understand, you know, t- when you deal with D- Jason Garrett for a decade, you want somebody to come in and be able to overcome some of these injury issues and some of the, you know, just some of those, some of the struggles that you deal with. You want to see a coach come in and just find a way to overcome some of those. And it's, I definitely understand why the fan base is a little bit disappointed and, and expected more out of a guy that, you know, a lot of, I mean, again, I feel like most people were guilty of it, of, of building up how this was going to be such a, a big upgrade from what we're used to. And I just don't think you can really say that that's been the case through, through what, 12, you know, 11, 12 weeks. Um, but uh, let's take a quick break and then we're, we're not going to keep you too much longer, but we did want to preview some of the, the draft, the draft show. We had a lot of big announcements come out today about the uh, future of the Dallas Cowboys draft show. I know you're a part of that. So talk a little bit about that. Maybe talk about some of these prospects that we might be looking forward uh, to seeing and watching and, and hopefully getting drafted by the Dallas Cowboys come April. So we'll be right back after a short break. We are talking the star. And we're back on the talking the star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey joined by Dalton Miller in Kevin Turner of The Athletic of DallasCowboys.com does a ton of great work for the draft and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, We appreciate him joining the show. Uh, Dalton's with us as well. Cole not with us tonight. He'll be back next week. But uh, we have a few more minutes left, and we want to talk about the 2021 NFL Draft. Uh, KT, you guys broke the news today about the uh, upcoming details for the Dallas Cowboys Draft Show. Do you want to let everybody know where they can hear it, see it, watch it, and view it this coming up draft season? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're back, uh, as always, on the you know, DallasCowboys.com, and then on the uh, you know the Draft Show podcast. You search iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, you'll find the Draft Show. But we've uh, made some amendments this year. We've kind of expanded the crew. We're now a seven-man team. Um, Kyle Yeomans is going to host both shows. But basically, it's it's the draft show, but we're kind of dividing the draft show into two teams. Um, not pitting them against each other or anything, but just kind of, kind of have two windows. So you'll get two episodes a week, but it'll kind of be a different cast on each episode. Um, the first team that we're starting out with uh, will be, um, you know, Kyle Yeomans will be the host, and you're going to have Dave Hellman as usual. Um, Bucky Brooks from the NFL Network is in the mix this year. And then Brian Broaddus is back on the draft show. So that's going to be a team. And then uh, Dane Brugler of The Athletic, Jeff Cavanaugh over at The Fan, and then um, and myself are going to be the second team. But I think the idea, and I could be wrong, and I, I want to speak for Derek Eagleton, the man whose idea was to put all this together. But Derek, you know, much like we've been telling McCarthy to go hard, Derek said, you know what, screw it. Let's go get some, <laughs> some big sticks here. So we got Bucky Brooks, Dane Brugler, Brian Broaddus, all coming back to the draft show. And uh, you're going to probably mix and match throughout the year and, and uh, you know, have everything covered as, as we uh, head towards uh, picking these players. So looking forward to it. First episode is this Friday. Um, and it's uh, just a, a blast and uh, really an honor to be a part of a institution like the draft show. I mean, that thing is a legendary draft podcast, uh, our show. And um, we're going to have, you know, more episodes per week with two a week and, in different perspectives, more perspectives than ever. So I'm really, really fired up to, to be a part of the gang here. So uh, I was looking on Twitter earlier, and I saw Jeffrey Cavanaugh uh, already has his first draft crush. That would be Nick Bolton, uh, who is a Missouri linebacker. I want to ask, Kevin, is there anybody that you've seen so far 
that makes your heart feel warm? I mean, look, it, it's it's obvious here, you know, I think, but watching 2019 Penny Sewell tape was uh, fantastic to watch. Um, and then imagining what he would be with a healthy Tyron Smith in my head, um, that kind of got my juices flowing. And I know we need to focus on defense, but I, and I know it's, I know it's, I know it's um, uh, a name everyone's talking about with Penny Sewell. He's a guy he can't see this year who's opting out. I feel like there's a lot of can't miss there. I feel like there's really only three can't miss guys this year. And if you disagree, Dalton, I know you've seen a lot of these guys too. If you disagree, I would like to hear your opinion on it. But between Trevor Lawrence, Pene Sewell, and Jamar Chase, I kind of have my questions on what you're doing if you're picking four, five, six, seven. I, God knows I have my questions about Justin Fields and Zach Wilson and need to find some tape on Trey Lance, uh, more tape on Trey Lance of the 10 games he played or whatever. But, like, early on, at least, in watching some of these guys, I've, I've got guys who, you know, and obviously you raise your expectations because this team sucks and they're going to be picking top five probably or top seven or whatever. You raise your expectations on these guys. You have some good players, but between Sewell, Chase, and Trevor Lawrence, I'm kind of going – you know what? I'm not really excited about linebacker. I don't want to take Micah Parsons top seven. I don't want to take a linebacker there, you know? Uh, so how, how do you feel on that, uh, on that realm? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably more on the, the two side of things with, with Trevor Lawrence and Penny. So I mean, I obviously, I think that uh, when you look at, you know, most of these wide receivers at the top of this class, I think that it might end up being better uh, overall than the 2020 class just from top to bottom. But, you know, a guy like Jamar Chase, we obviously saw what he was able to do at LSU last year uh, with Joe Burrow. I was a little bit upset that I didn't get to see him this year uh, just because I would like to see that tape when you don't have also elite QB play at the position. But he outdid Justin Jefferson from a, a production standpoint in that LSU offense, and we've seen what Justin Jefferson's been able to do in the NFL. I just think that when you look at him, he doesn't have that one physical trait per se to, to really make me think that he's a, a can't miss guy. He's just somebody who I think is going to be no matter what solid at the NFL level. Um, but yeah, like you were like you were saying with the, the number four pick five pick, whatever the, the Cowboys end up being, if you, you have to hope that these NFL teams really do love Justin Fields or and or Zach Wilson, preferably both of them. Um, and I think that, you know, with the way that the NFL has gone, I think that Zach Wilson is a guy that NFL teams are going to covet just because of what he's able to do out of structure, the, his ability to throw from multiple arm angles, you know, on the run, left, right. Some of the ball placement he has is silly. I think the consistency from the quarterback position, I think teams, uh, because of guys like Justin Herbert, uh, having success right away in the NFL. Dak Prescott as a fourth rounder. Um, I think that, you know, they're going to think that they can work through that and with a full offseason uh, can have a guy like Zach Wilson succeed even as a rookie. Um, and so you hope that those uh, teams are, 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 you know, really, really want to move up for a, a quarterback early. What do you think about these corners? And, and I guess, you know, that kind of you know, shows my cards of what I think the Cow Dallas Cowboys biggest need is. Um, but how do you feel about these corners at the top? And do you think that corner is the biggest need for the Cowboys going into 2021? No, I do. And I, I, trust me, I'm a guy who does value the safety position, but I, I'm 
went. I kind of think corner is the clear need. I don't think Cheeto's back. I don't think Jordan Lewis is back. I mean, I think you're clearly looking at an area that you're going to need some help at. Um, and I, you know, I've seen of, of of the guys that I've seen that are Caleb Farley, the Virginia Tech guy, but you're still needing to see, at least on my end, needing to see more of his 2019 tape. Like, it's hard to go find anything from him. <laughs> I'm still, like, trying to get some of that in. Um, but you see something that you go, okay, I feel good about it. Do I feel sure thing pick you at six about it? I don't know. Patrick Certain, uh, Patrick Sertain, from what I've seen from this year's tape, and uh, you know, I, I feel like Farley's the better athlete. I think I've always been a fan of like DNA and bloodlines. I do think that naturally does matter. Uh, it's another reason I feel pretty good about J.C. Horn of South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Love him. And that's where trading down gets juicy, and I think you just have to remember that phone doesn't always ring. But you're talking about trading down to nine or to 15 or whatever. You know, then I'm thrilled to take one of those guys. But as far as Farley or Sertain or, or you know, I, I still need to watch more of Deion Kendrick, the uh, the Clemson cornerback. You know, Farley is who I have up top right now. I just think he's a little bit better athlete than Sertain. They both have the size. You like the size. They're both six two guys. Both, you know, a good good frame, over 200 pounds. You see the athleticism with Farley. I see with Farley, you see a guy who does kind of have a nose for the ball. And I know all cornerbacks should have a nose for the ball, right? But, like, you you really see him get involved in plays. That you go, oh, wow, see how that ball was thrown over there? And he, he, like, saw it early and drifted off his man and then moved over and got involved in a play. And he should have had some more interceptions. He had a couple dropped interceptions as well. But it didn't appear to be plays where it's like, he has bad hands, like, you know, Byron Jones. Like, you kind of see him make enough plays. So, you know, Caleb Farley I'm a huge fan of, but I'll tell you what, man, I, I, I got to admit, if I'm picking it, let's say I've got the number five pick in the draft, and it's go time, turn in your card. If it's Caleb Farley, if it's Patrick Sertain, I'm really praying that those guys don't end up you know, giving me the Morris Claiborne treatment because <laughs> I'm just not 100% sold on these guys. Granted, with the caveat, I got more work to do on these guys. Uh, I know Dalton and our little database were kind of looking for this Virginia Tech film from last year. So if there's any <laughs> yep. Virginia Tech assistant coaches who want to, you know, slide in these DMs uh, and give us some of that good love, we'd love to have it because there needs to be more to see from Caleb yeah. Farley. But I, when it all comes down to it, those guys, I, I'm choosing the more athletic guy. And I see that with Farley a little more than I do with Sertain. Yeah, I think the the most disappointing thing with this draft class is your premier positions. You just don't have those premier guys that you don't have your Jalen Ramsey or your your Bosa brothers. You don't have one of those guys at edge rusher, edge rusher, corner. Obviously, your cornerbacks are there, and that's where a guy like Sewell comes in. Where you know your your offensive tackles a premier position, your quarterbacks premier position, cornerback and and edge rusher. Um, you know those are your four. You know, we kind of see as your your gold positions, and unfortunately, you know, you you could be looking at a situation where, you know, do you take if you if you're gonna go best player available, maybe this team does see Sewell as the the guy who makes the most sense there. And while I don't love the idea of drafting another offensive tackle, you know, that high when you have as many holes as you do on defense, it might make the most sense for this team, especially if they are unable to trade back. But I think the biggest 
thing for me that I see when I look at this draft class, and KT, I want to get your thoughts on it, is how weak this interior defensive line class is. There's a few guys kind of sprinkled throughout that you you think, you know, have some traits that you can develop, but there's just, that's another position to need, you know, with Tristan Hill not really developing yet, you know, and then getting getting injured and Neville Gallimore showing a few flashes, but consistency has been an issue. Uh, defensive tackle is going to be a position of need for the Cowboys again going into 2021. Do you see anybody in maybe the top 100 that could come in and push for a starting role on this team? Yeah, no, and this is where, like, this is where you want your Jeffrey Simmons of the world, right? Right. Or your, uh, you know, your Javon even. Yeah, you know, you, this is where you're looking for something like that and not getting it. And that's, uh, you know, you could say it's a problem. Uh, you know, I really, I'm glad you mentioned the guy, well, Tristan Hill and how he rehabs from an ACL. That's all, that's going to matter. How does he get his body in shape after an ACL? You know, all that stuff's going to be very important. Um, but I do think he could, you know, be be an important cog to that defense next year if he does all the things right through rehab and is uh, back healthy and, and stays in shape. Neville Gallimore, I love, and I thought with giving a, a little bit of time, I almost gave him a flyer on year one to get his body right, be a little more uh, physical, see if we can add a little more, uh, you know, bulk to him. Uh, his quickness wins, you know, and I still think that's going to play. Uh, moving forward. He's a young guy. I think there's a lot to work with Neville Gallimore. So uh, I'm all about that. This this might be a year. I know we don't have a lot of free agent money to spend, but this might be a year where you have to go that route and, and you know, spend some money on uh, – not not a lot of money, obviously, but, like, spend that money on, on your flyers like you did this year. It didn't work out with Daryl McCoy and Don Terry Poe, but that doesn't scare me from going down that road again. If I can find a guy who I think fits the scheme and can work out, I, I need to see more tape on uh, Barmore from Alabama, uh, defensive tackle, you know, a, a big dude on the inside. I, I need to see uh, more film on him. Still waiting on more Michigan film to come in. I know Hutchinson's a guy that they move around all over the defensive line. So, you know, got a few names kind of to think about, but, you know, those aren't top ten names. This Not may be kind of what we're talking about last year. I mean, last yep. year we were talking about Matt Abuke. We were talking about Jordan Elliott from Missouri. Black we were talking about Neville Gallimore. Mm. Yeah, so like that, that might be the area there. Is maybe yeah. it's round two, maybe it's round three. But you you do need someone who can help you, and that's the great thing about Tristan Hill. I mean, Tristan Hill was like, oh, he's a second round pick. I was like, yeah, but he was like one of the last picks in the second round. That was, a, I, uh, I don't treat him like a second rounder. I treat him like a third rounder. I treated him the same way I, I, I treat, you know, Tapper was a fourth rounder. I treated him the same way I treated Charles Tapper. Yeah. It works out great. You know, it, it's just like. It, give me that pit guy in the in the early to mid rounds and I'll be happy. Twyman. Yeah, you know, like, and this is going to be, that's, that's part of the fun of, like, doing this is once a lot of this team, and I don't know about you, you guys, I've been, like, focused on, like, guys who set out or guys who opted out. Yeah. I've been kind of more looking for that because you're still waiting on this 2020 tape to filter in. But, like, that's part of the fun of it is who are we going to get at 35? Who are we going to get yep. at 70? These guys are early in these rounds. And that's where team tape comes into play more than, you know, more than maybe in the first round. I yep. know everyone talks about being in a top five pick or picking 19th. Well, he's picking 35th, 34th, 35th, 36th, or are we picking – you know, 50th. That's a pretty big difference. And that's yep. where you, you see the talent drop off a lot of times in the draft. So, 
Got a lot of work to do, though, man. Just kind of, I guarantee you Dalton's ahead of me. I, I don't know about you, Connor. I guarantee you Dalton's way ahead of me. Got a lot of stinking work to do on this draft. We all do. We all do. We all got a lot of work to do with the, the Cowboys, who still got a few games left. And with our luck, they'll probably come back, win a few games, and they'll be playing in January somehow, some way, and ruin all of our hopeful draft I don't takes. think we'll have to worry about that. I honestly <laughs> yeah. don't. Look, life is too short to poo-poo playoff appearances, guys. I understand. You're right. Days, but You're you right. get in, you might as well, might as well be happy about it. Yeah, Andy Dalton's going for his first career playoff win, idiot. You're yeah. right. You're right. I'm sorry. Dude, <laughs> legacy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, legacy piece. Kevin, we kept you longer than we told you we would, but we appreciate you always coming on, and you're uh, you're a great host. We love having you on. So we uh. We'll have to do this again in another year. We'll keep the the tradition going, and and hopefully we can uh, have some more fun football to talk about next year because this year was not fun. Yeah, and if the unthinkable happens and McCarthy gets fired, please call me then too. <laughs> Immediately, it's the first thing I'll do. That, I, that is, I don't hate him. I just know him. <laughs> that's that's the best kind. That's what we want. We want the we want the the true honest opinions from the heart, and that's what we get with with KT and, and that's why we enjoy having him on. But uh we're gonna we're gonna give you a call before then and hopefully maybe we can get you on during the draft and uh get some of your opinions on some of these prospects the deeper we get into the tape and the deeper we get into this draft class. Again, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on. Dalton, I hate you. This is Talking the Star. We'll see you guys next time. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today